gospel, please open it to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Many are strong in the knowledge of faith, but weak in the life of faith, says one pastor. What do you make of those words? Are they a, an accurate description of your life? Many are strong in the knowledge of faith, but weak in the life of faith. Some of you here, you know a lot about the Bible. Others of you, you know how to talk the Christian language well. But are you strong in the life of faith? In the latest Batman movie, you appreciate this, Lyle. <laughs> there is a scene where Commissioner Gordon is in the hospital, barely alive, talking to a disguised Bruce Wayne. He says to Mr. Wayne, we were in this together, you and I, but you were gone. The Batman must come back. Know this, evil rises. You see, in this life, things rise up. Sin, doubt, fear, pride, loss, disappointment. Know this, trials will rise. Right? Trials will rise and your faith must rise beyond just head knowledge, beyond just speech. It must rise to meet those trials. The things you know to be true and the things you talk about must storm your life just like the soldiers stormed the beach of Normandy. Your faith must do the same thing to your life. It should be infiltrating every inch, every corner of your life. And this is what James is showing us in this letter. He wants to strengthen us in the life of faith. What it means to live out our faith in this world. We've already talked about faith in trials. We talked about faith in wisdom. This morning we're going to talk about faith and life circumstances. And there's an echo coming from somewhere. You move over here. Okay. Faith in life circumstances. So open your Bible to James chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. This is God's word, not mine. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like the flower or the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Pray with me. Lord, this is your word, not my word. It's your word to your people. And it's without error. And it can be applied to every area of our life. But we need the Holy Spirit, Lord. It takes more than just a preacher preaching a sermon. 
We need a supernatural work of your spirit to move. Because if he doesn't move, nothing happens. I don't care how good you think the sermon is. He must move. He must apply it to my heart and apply it to the hearts of everyone here. So spirit, the third person in the Trinity, we need you to move to do your job, to be our counselor. That is what you are, our helper. And we desperately need your help this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Faith in life circumstances. There are two life circumstances that James deals with here. Both of these circumstances bring trials into your life. Do you remember what I said about life? It has two faces, right? A good face of life, which we all enjoy. Then it's that bad face of life. Well, we don't like that side of life when things get hard. So the first life circumstance that James deals with is seen here in verse 9. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. The lowly brother is referring to a Christian in humble circumstances. These humble circumstances could be poverty, could be low social status. It, it, it could be circumstances in which a person seems like they have little significance in the eyes of the world. They're unimportant in a social sense. Circumstances that leads one to be discouraged and to lack hope. The term here for lowly is not just referring to material resources or economic resources, but as one believer says, it's lowliness of any sort, whether a position, privilege, or stature. Where are you low this morning? In what area of your life do you consider yourself to be low, to be poor? What are your humble circumstances? Because not all we don't all have it together. Well, we come here and pretend like we do. You see, these humble circumstances, they, they are trials that test your faith. Whether it's financial poverty, material poverty, relational poverty, mental poverty, or whatever. They test you. My sister-in-law, she's a, a middle school teacher in a Title I school. And last weekend we were in Georgia and she was talking about how difficult it is for some of her students to pass the writing portion of the state, one of the state's tests. And she was talking about, she said it's hard for them because they don't have the experience of some of the things they're called to ask to write about. They were called, they had to ask, they asked them one question was, describe your last vacation at the beach. Now 80% of her kids never been to the beach. They never experienced that. They don't even know what it looks like. So how do you think they did on that test? She says her kids not only suffer from economic poverty, but social poverty. Because they don't have the experiences. Poverty comes in many shapes and sizes. And all of us here are poor in something. What is it for you? It would test your faith. Proverbs 30, 8 and 9 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread, or I may become poor and still, and so dishonor the name of my God. Financial poverty will make you prone to dishonor God. Why? Because you do what you got to do to provide for your family, even if it means still. Right? I don't agree with it, but as my friend Mark says, I understand it. Why folks do it? Because if you're packed into a corner, you do what you got to do to pay the car note, 
to pay the rent, to pay the mortgage. Relational poverty, it makes you prone to get into bad and unhealthy relationships. You see, the trials of poverty make you prone to take your eyes off Christ and place them on your circumstances. And all your significance, your identity, become tied to those circumstances. They begin to define you. And that's living by faith. I mean, that's living by sight, not faith. Living by sight and not faith. James wants you to bring your faith to the battlefield. It has to come off the bookshelf. It has to come off the bookshelf and conversations in the coffee shop. You have to take it to the battlefield with you as you face the circumstances of life. What does he say in verse 5 and 6? If you lack wisdom, do what? Ask God and he'll give it to you. Because you're going to need wisdom from the Lord to get through the trials of poverty. Otherwise, you won't get through it. You're going to need him. The wisdom from the Lord causes you to look beyond your circumstances, and to see the world through the lenses of faith. To see the world through the lenses of faith. To see circumstances, your life circumstances, through faith. This is what James means when he's telling the lowly brother to boast in his high position. James wants you to see beyond your circumstances. Just look at them them straight in the face and boast. Boast in in your high position. What do you think that means? What do you think about that? Because who here sees home or circumstances as a high position? Who here sees that? I mean, you could be honest, people. No one does. To be honest, none of us live that way. Some of us are like, has James really lost his mind? Has he really lost his mind? I mean, I know he's Jesus' brother, but come on. You mean you want me to boast in my high position? What high position? Don't you see what I'm working with here? I have nothing, James. Nothing to show. I'm financially poor, materially poor, relationally poor, mentally poor, socially poor. I don't consider those things a high position. James, you've been insensitive to my life circumstances. But he's not. He's not being insensitive to your life circumstances. He simply wants you to see life beyond them. See beyond what you're actually going through. Usually in the Bible, taking pride in something is seen as a negative, especially when you read through Paul. But James' use of boast here is connected to the Old Testament positive use of boast, which is glorifying and rejoicing in the Lord. He is not saying boast in humble circumstances, but in the high position the Lord had placed you in, that you've been placed in the position if you are a believer because of who you are in Christ. This is living by faith, not sight. This is you not letting your humble circumstances define who you are, sit in your course of life. This is you realizing and living as a citizen of his kingdom in this world, knowing that your position in this life may be seen low according to the world, but not to him. Why? Because you stand in his kingdom not as the help, but as a child. You're not the help. You're a child at the table. This is you fixing your eyes on heaven, on eternity, not on temporary circumstances. 
at this moment, I, this is, I want you to look at those humble circumstances that you face because we're all dealing with something. You can come in here and pretend like we're not, but we're all dealing with something. Look those circumstances in the face. And this is what you say, yes, I'm afflicted in every way, but not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not driven to despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. Right now, I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. That's living by faith. That's looking at your life circumstances through lenses of faith. Why can we say that? Because his grace is sufficient for me. For his power is made perfect in my what? Weakness. And I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. But when I'm weak, then I'm strong. But do you believe that? I'm not talking about right now, but out there. When you get up, in the, when the alarm clock goes off tomorrow, and you got to go into work, is that true then in your life? Everything's true on Sunday morning in church and in Sunday school. I'm talking about the hustle and bustle of life. Do you believe it? Do we possess the wisdom to believe this and to live this? That is the question. Let the lowly brother boast in his exhortation. But what about the rich brother? What about the brother who doesn't seem to be in humble circumstances? What does James have to say for that person? This leads us to the second life circumstance. Look at verse 10. And the rich in his, in his humiliation. What does that mean? Let the rich brother boast in his humiliation. What do you think about those words? I mean, he's rich. I mean, how is that humiliating, right? How is that humiliating, James? This believer has it all. I mean, he shouldn't have any worries or trials. There are trials that come with wealth and prosperity. And again, this is not just economic and financial. It's referring to anything that you think you're rich in, whether it's social status, relationships, vocation, parenting, ministry, we all got something we take pride in and we think we're better than other people. And we consider ourselves to be rich in that thing. So what is it for you? Or let me put it this way. Where in your life that you think you only need a little bit of Jesus? And whatever that is, that's what you think you're rich in. <laughs> if you only need a little bit of Jesus to get through, then that's it for you. You see, the trials are... Uh, financial and material poverty, they make you prone to disown, dis, to disown the Lord because you think you got it. I got this. And so you begin to rely on self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. Your own strength. And you forget the Lord and your pursuit and the maintaining of those things. And like the, young, like the brother in homo circumstances, you begin to let those circumstances define who you are. Pride and self-righteousness begin to rise up. It is all about you and what you accomplished, what I've done, what I've built, what my family has done. And you forget that there was something else in place helping you get there. 
When you define your life by your circumstances, your whole self-worth, again, your significance, your identity, are tied to those things. And this, again, is living by sight, not by faith. Living for temporary things. Things that have no eternal significance. And like the young, like the brother in humble circumstances, he wants the brother who considered to be rich to bring his faith to the battlefield. As you go through the trials of prosperity and wealth, you know what you need. You need wisdom from God. Wisdom to see beyond your richness and see it through the lenses of Christ, not worldliness. See, the eyes of the world, those who have wealth and prosperity, whether it's money, name, reputation, or status, they are held high, Right? They are lifted up as the model that you should attain for. And these same people also become objects of worship by other people who don't have what they have. Because they believe the lie, if I just get there, then all my problems are going to go away. But in the eyes of God, there's a great reversal of position. Let the rich brother boast in his humiliation. And this is not boasting in your richness and wealth. But again, it's rejoicing and glorifying in the Lord, boasting in him. You see, the humiliation here is that you're still in a position of dependency. I don't care how much you got. You still end up dependent on Jesus and humility, despite how rich or wealthy you may think you are. You depend upon Christ for everything, your well-being, and not those things that you consider to be wealth and prosperity. See, those things don't give you VIP access to God. You don't stroll up in the church with your nice suit on. Yeah, God's got to have me on his team. Look at all I've done for Jesus. They don't mean you're more blessed by God. They don't mean you have more flavor, uh, favor, for favor by God than those who don't have what you have. They don't mean any of those things. He wants you to see your wealth and prosperity like a flower of the grass. It's here one moment, gone the next. That's what he says. I'll read it for you. Like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. The picture he paints here is that Wealth and prosperity is short-lived. It can be taken away at any moment. Just ask Lance Armstrong at this moment, who was once here, your great American hero, survivor of cancer, is falling from grace. It can be taken away, either self-inflicted or whatever. It can all be taken away. One Christian says, the low position of the rich believer is the same position of every Christian shares. We all bow to request mercy and forgiveness for our sins. The rich believer knows the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It's all level. All level. What does the song says? Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. We don't cling to anything else. You see, the cross presents all of us as mutually broken people before God in need of grace. 
There are no exceptions to that truth. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? A pastor during the first great awakening says, Christ is like a river in another respect. A river is continually flowing. There are fresh supplies of water coming from the fountain ahead continually. So the man may live by it and be supplied with water all of his life. So Christ is an ever-flowing fountain. He is continually supplying his people, and the fountain is not spent. They who live upon Christ may have fresh supplies from, from him from all eternity. They may have an increase of blessedness that is new and new still, which never come to an end. See, if you're convicted this morning about how you see your life circumstances, then don't go to despair. Simply go to the fountain. Go to the fountain. Go to the river. Go to Jesus. There's always forgiveness for him, with him. Cast your sins and burdens upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And if you're here this morning, if you've never done that, if you have never went to the water, I'm telling you, it's good water too. If you've never drank it from it. You can come drink from it for the very first time. Very first time. If you have questions about what that means, see me after the service. See me after the service, and I'll tell you about how you can receive that water that never runs dry. Pray with me. Lord, I pray that, that you would be moving in the hearts of everyone that's here, especially for someone who's here who don't know you, who's never drunk from your fountain, who's never tasted the water, I pray that your spirit would move in that person's heart and bring them into your kingdom. And I pray that they will come speak to me, Lord, after the service, and I can explain to them more what that means. And I also pray for those who have been walking with you for years, that they, Lord, would know the fountain is still flowing. The river never runs dry. I pray they will come and drink from it. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the gospel. I thank you, Lord, that that you are God despite our circumstances, despite of what we're dealing with, that we're all equally broken at the foot of the cross in need of grace daily. In Christ I'm up to